Welcome to Inside the Firm. I'm your host, Alex Gore. I'm here with my co-host, Lance Psycho. Hey, hey, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> so here at Inside the Firm, uh, it's just a look inside of our architecture firm. Uh, what we're doing, it's basically principal talk, everything from residential design to some commercial work to our big thing is a development project that we're doing ourselves. So a lot of architects want to do that. Uh, we're kind of showing you step by step how we're going through that process. Speaking of that development project, I am... Uh, gearing up to take my Class B contractor's license because whoop, whoop. I will be the contractor on the project, um, the face of it anyway, and be able to sign all the paperwork and you know yell at subs and stuff like that. So doing that, I, excitingly, excitingly enough, I've been reading through the 2015 IBC. And let me tell people liter- why. Literally, literally every word. Yep. Because the contractor test is an open book test on the IBC and is a couple other books too. Yeah, so if you take the Class B test, then you you should have read through the uh, the IRC, International Residential Code. You should have read through the International Building Code book, and then you should have also read through the standard manual for concrete. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like ASIC or something. I'm butchering it. So to jump in here, uh, and you have to read through it because even though it's open book, you won't have enough time to to like look every single question up. Well, here's the calculation, okay? So there are 80, te- 80 test questions, and there's 270 minutes. That comes to three point, I think, three four minutes per test question. So actually, it is possible if you're really fast, right? But still, it's kind of worth it to read through. Well, I think you should read through it anyway. Here's the other thing, too, is so anybody could take this test. So it, whether, whether you're an architect or a builder or you're just a person and you say, like, I want to build my own house one day or I screw it. I'm quitting my office job and I want to become a real estate developer because maybe we inspired you on this podcast, hopefully uh, to do that. You could actually take the test in a lot of States. There's no qualifiers to take the test. You You don't have to be in the industry in the field. Yep. Because that's what, so like city of Denver is a much different case. If I wanted to build a skyscraper there, I'd have to get a class a license. And then I need, I need all these qualifications. I have to have, Letters from architects, engineers, builders, like people saying like I I have I am qualified to even take the test. But class B is anything under three stories, any kind of building type. So you could build almost anything, right? And then class C is like your typical if you're just gonna do a house. Yep. Class A skyscraper. So here's the two things I find interesting about you studying is one How awesome I look studying? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, everyone's doing work. I'm taking phone calls, managing four guys that he's in a lounge chair, basically. <laughs> Legs crossed. Yeah. So you asked me, there's so much information and you're pretty far. And you've probably only asked me three or four questions. It, and it's because you know, like I've, I've done it. And yeah. actually a lot of it is. And just kind of confirming, like, is this why you did this this way? Yep. 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 And which is hilarious because I'm not a licensed architect. <laughs> <laughs> but when are uh, you going to get that license plate, by the way, that says unlicensed. Unzli- Ooh, that's pretty sick. Yeah. I think, I think people should have that just anyway, you know, <laughs> because it's a license plate unlicensed. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that's cool. Um, because it does show like, I do have, like, I know exactly what they're talking about yeah. because again, I do this. But then the other thing that is cool is that you bring stuff up like, Oh, uh, what was it? The 10 foot rule. You, if you have a, fire rated wall in the exterior. Yep. If you are not, if you are, have a 10 feet fire separation and fire separation, that means from a lot line, another building, a center, a road, yep. you can have it. If, if those are more than 10 feet away, it only has to be rated from the interior, yep. which I'm like, ah, oh, brilliant. Yep. So cool. Which I really think helps with the framers because then they could frame it like in a typical fashion and then they could still, you know, they don't have to frame it where they do both sides of the walls at the same time yep. type of thing and erect it. And my question to you then is, 
because it's so concrete, meaning literally the, the answers are right in there. Reading through these three books and then taking that test, do you think this gave you more or less knowledge than all of your architecture studying for all those tests? Oh, I, well, I, you should revisit that question once I get down. So far, so far, as far as fire ratings go, how about that? I'm, so I'm, I'm on to chapter seven. Chapter seven is fire and smoke protection features. Um, everything you would need to know about, you know, rating, rating walls and all that stuff. I'm only I'm only a couple pages in, so it's already it's already much more valuable, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think there should be a large component of that happening. Yeah. Just in just not not I mean practice it just happens because it has to, but some somewhere in the school, somebody so if somebody figured out how to make it a fun course, how about that? If somebody figured out how to make keep it interesting, because how about this? Our our architectural history teacher did a phenomenal job. I thought about about keeping people's attention. He was funny. Uh, you know, he made history not boring. So somebody yes. could figure that out with the codes, make the codes not boring. Yep. That'd be Shout awesome. out Ron Ramsey. I almost think just this should replace one of the architectural tests, meaning, okay, for this test, read the IBC, the IRC, and then come take the test and that's it. it, it you know, you can still have your multiple tests. And why can't that be open book too? God, it would be great. Like I, cause it would force people to read it. It would find, it would really force them to read it because when I took my test, I didn't read through all of it. I only read through, I think, chapter 10, which is like life safety, and maybe chapter 5, which is, which is, uh, that's, that's the building um, heights area. Yeah. Yep. Occupation. To know, like, yeah, exactly. To know how big you can do a building with certain occupancies, yeah. stuff like that. Anyways, I think it's really valuable because piecemeal throughout the years mean you have looked through a lot of it, but going straight through it is great. The only thing is, when would you recommend? people to look at this because literally in college in your first two years a lot of it's going to go over your head because you'll be like, why do i care about it how am i going to memorize 10 foot in my head it's already cemented i will know that forever like these codes once once i learn a specific code especially like the fire rating where you have we have a two-story we have a mezzanine that's a third that doesn't count we have we only have 75 feet um we have under 3,000 square foot, which means we can use a stair. We don't need an elevator and it doesn't need to be sprinkled. Yeah. Like because it applies to the project, like that's always going to be there. But if I would have read any of that nonsense two years ago, it, I want to re remember it. So like, when do I think you should read it? I think you should read it. Uh, if it was me, I guess I can only speak about me. If, if I could t turn back time and stuff, I would do it the first year I started like a real internship right after school. It you would think, be. You I, think that early you'll get what's going on in th that book? Oh, I see what you mean. Hmm. Maybe not. I think you need a year or two minimum. You think you think do it after a year or two, huh? Know what? I would say when you're close to when you're close to done with your architecture hours. So two to three years, honestly. That's probably a good time to read it. Two to three years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have a pop quiz for you. Okay. Oh, awesome. Because there's some terms that I've never heard before, and I want you to just guess what the heck they are. Okay. Okay. And they're funny terms. Uh, so the first one is, and I'm sure many people listening will know what this is. Proscenium wall. Oh, I know what that is. What is it? It's from the Jurassic period. <laughs> you use <laughs> dinosaur bones as the structure for your wall. Is that correct? You're so close. It's You're so close yet so far away. Uh, it is the wall that separates the stage from the auditorium in an assembly seating area. So like the wall of a theater where the curtain closes is a proscenium wall. I feel like Ron Ramsey probably told us that. I feel like he did too. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to look it up. Shout out, Ron. This one is this one was hilarious. Uh, there was actually some uh, 
jokes made in the office yesterday that were probably not safe for work, uh, but here we go. Or the podcast. Or, <laughs> or the podcast. You want I, me to make them? I'll no, make them. Well, here we go. Your, your dad's listening. Yeah. Uh, Sally Port. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> does, does it have to do with... Um, it has to do with entering and exiting a, a space or a building. Sally Port. Think Star Trek. Think, think, uh, think. So entering the spaceship from space and then needing to get back in the spaceship. Well, I was going to say a, a portal or something that transitions between either a liquid or a gas to and then an intermediate space. And then, and then, like normal space. You know, okay, you know. Okay, you're you're kind of close. A security vestibule with two or more doors or gates, where the intended purpose is to prevent continuous and unobstructed passage by allowing the release of only one door or gate at a time. So, a really unsexy way of saying airlock. Yeah, a sally port. A sally port. Nobody knew. I didn't even know. I blew my mind. Huh. I wonder if you guys. I had to go to chapter two definitions. Yeah. Cool. Why? Because you're reading it, and they said, "Oh, make sure you have a Sally Port," and you're like, "What is a Sally Port?" Yeah, yeah, it was something about uh, it was something about where they're where that's allowed, because it was like getting people in and out of buildings. I can't remember what chapter it was, but okay. Anyway, there you go. There's your Good to quiz. know. Now everybody knows. Everybody knows what Sally Port is. Yeah. So next time you go into, we don't even have vestibules down here in Colorado. I feel like because it's so warm. It's warmer. But yeah. in North Dakota, you had to do a vestibule. But is every vestibule a Sally Port? I don't think so. No, 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 they're not. Here's here's why they're not. Because for a Sally Port, the way I understand it is... One has to be closed. Exactly, at all times. Exactly. So you open it, you close it, then you can open the other exactly. one. Exactly. Rather than both doors on the vestibule exactly. could be open. Yeah, so a Sally Port is a airlock vestibule. That's what yeah, I like. Kind of like prison. Kind of like, pr- <laughs> like prison. <laughs> Been there a couple times. <laughs> not for me visiting other people. Exactly. Um, that doesn't sound much better, but whatever. Okay, the next little segment we have for everybody is a, uh, a hearkening back to a horror story on a project. Uh, this is kind of a, a recent one. Um, it's a house we did uh, about two years ago. I think we finished designing About a year ago, we finished designing it somewhere around there. House in Boulder, and uh, it ended up being a, a real crap show in the end um, uh, with the project. And, and what happened was... And the reason why we're telling this story, why I'm t- telling this story, is because I kind of want to, <clears throat> I want, I want to share with everybody about maybe identifying the signs of a client that will end up um, just not conforming through the whole project. And I, I, I don't mean conforming in the sense that they're just doing exactly what you want design-wise. I'm saying following the rules in the way we're supposed to uh, submit for permit, not do construction without a permit. All that kind of stuff, okay? So <clears throat> this was a, we got this project, uh, I think it was so two years ago, and then we finished We finished doing all the drawings about a year ago. It's a pop-top small house in, in Boulder, and it was, he's a repeat client. Uh, he was a good client the, at the beginning, um, wanted to do something, a really, really cool house, but in the end where stuff started to fall off, and, he, and here's when I should have noticed the telltale signs. So one day, one day we come in, and we're getting, he comes in, and we're getting, we're basically done with the drawings. He's here to pick up stamp drawings, and he's got some questions about what what other stuff he's supposed to fill out for the project. And then towards the end of the meeting, he goes, well, I've kind of already started the demolition. And I go, really? And he's like, yeah. Uh, and I go, well, how far did you go with that? 
and then he shows me a picture and and then I, and then it looks like there's footings that are poured too. I'm like, "Oh, so a little farther than the demo- demolition." And you asked me because this was a historic house, right? Oh, well that's the other part that came up. Yeah. So yeah, so then So then you you so there's rules and I said, "You the, the, here's a couple of rules. You can't destroy the front and you have to at least keep 50% of the exterior." Um and then I think you go, I think he demoed more than that. <laughs> I said, you yeah, might be screwed. I don't know. So and here's the thing too. That's a boulder. Rule. I'm all about, I'm all about trying stuff. And if you get in trouble asking for forgiveness later, right? Within reason, like I'm not going to go, you know, do something crazy and then, you know, some within reason, right? So like, like in my house, I have chickens, not technically supposed to have chickens, ask for forgiveness later. It looks like we're going to get forgiven. We get to, we get to keep the chickens. Yep. So back to this guy. So, <clears throat> so I asked very politely and I said, please don't do any more construction. I said, you've already now kind of, we've already got a target on our backs that, you know, the, the building officials, the planners, everybody's going to be watching you a little bit more carefully because, you know, you, you really stepped over the line here. Okay. 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 Sure, 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 sure. So at that point, the footings were poured. So we finally submit, uh, we submit for a permit and we get the first set of comments back, and then uh, I address the comments, and I say, "Hey, you should come in. You should come into the office, and we should go over these comments, so so you know kind of how to relay them to the planning department because we weren't submitting for permits. It was the owner slash builder, all that. So he comes back in, and he goes, and he goes, well, uh, and at the end of the meeting again, we go through everything. He goes, so when can I when can I start ordering lumber? And I'm like, well. You're not, you, we don't even have a permit yet. It's Boulder. It's hard to get a permit anyway. Yeah. So just relax. And he goes, well, I already finished the walls, foundation walls. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and then Please he, stop. Here, he, here's the other issue with that too, because I don't think the engineer knew. And exactly. He needs, the engineer needs to inspect the rebar. You know, everyone knows the whole process. Yep. Uh, mm. So, so at that point, you know, even in hindsight, I, I still don't know what, what, what you should do at this point. Um, other than, I guess what we ended up doing was, well, so then he goes back, submits again, and we get another round of comments. And the crappy thing is now, you know, again, we have a target on our backs. Yeah. He's got a target on his back. So now the planners are coming back with even more comments every single time. Instead of less comments, we get even more comments. So we can tell like, Oh no, now they're punishing. They're punishing this guy for what he did. And, but I bet you that's true, but that's not always the case. Because I've I've just been hearing more and more horror stories about, about these planners coming back with crazy comments, fonts, not not just that, but but um, you know, ten comments and then thirty comments of stuff they'd never even covered before. It, it it seems it seems crazy how I don't know if they're not doing enough review. I don't I don't know what's going on with these cities. It it, it is exponentially crazier than when we started. On a side note, we just had a house go through. In uh, Erie, with no comments. Love you, Erie. But that's Shout because, out, but Eerie. that's because it's all about me and Jackson, one of our best employees. Yeah, just crushing it. Yeah, I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know what you guys are doing on your side. Uh, <laughs> we rich. I got a house through. I got Did two you really? couple houses. Did you really? With no nothing. comments. Yep. I'm just teasing. Yeah. Okay, so shout out those. Shout out Wheat Ridge, <laughs> Erie. <laughs> we love you guys that. are the best. Uh, you guys should put on seminars. So. Yeah. So I think I feel like after this time, you know, I've I've finally established stop doing it. Stop doing it. 
but I just I just should have saw the signs, right? So City comes back one more time with comments. And and this time this time the client says to me, uh, hey, um I I looked at the most recent set of drawings and the steel I ordered doesn't match. What can we do? And I go, Why did you order steel? Why did you order steel? And he goes, oh, well, uh, you know, we're starting to frame. Oh, my God, man. So it just will not stop. So finally, I I have to jump in there because I had a contractor who said, um, hey, I didn't account for uh, something in my bids. Because I sent him preliminary plans just to look over. Um, And and he knew that they were preliminary. They weren't final. We, We weren't even done with all the engineering. So obviously, you know, the caissons will change, whatever. We ended up having Bigfoot's. Um, and and we it, even put not for construction on the drawings we sent out that are not for construction. Exactly. So, I I don't know how I handled it in the moment, but like I don't know why did you give a final bid on not final drawings? Don't, don't, no bueno. Don't do no that. Bueno. No bueno. So what did I ended up what I end, what I ended up doing was I wrote back to the planner and said, hey, um, we are we are. I just, you guys got to be aware that this guy will not stop building. You need to go out there and red flag it and shut it down and all that. They ended up doing that. Um, so the construction has completely ceased on the project. And since then it's gotten, it's gotten even worse to the, uh, and it got down to like sort of a personal level where we just kind of rescinded our, our, ourselves as architecture record. We are, we have nothing to do with the project and stuff like that. And I routinely drive by that house and there's nothing happening. So I don't know I don't know what's going on with the project. But I guess the point of my story with this is <clears throat> when exactly like how do you start how do you how do you how can you pick pinpoint if somebody's going to do that again? And I don't think this is an often experience, but I think it might happen at least once or twice in somebody's career to be aware to be aware of that. So since you were an outside observer, Al, when do you like what do you think the cutoff point is? or saying no to the project, anything like that. Like, it, I don't know how you vet that from the beginning. It's very personal because you've had the same, you've seen the same situation on mine, not the same situation because I don't think any of my clients have, have built and done some of the, the unethical things that this person has done. And I remember you talking to me, um, kind of saying this and saying that, Hey, you were going to cut off, you know, you were done. I was like, yes, I totally agree. Do that, that we're done with that guy. <clears throat> Two weeks later, you said like, okay, so I'm, do- I'm like, wait, what? What is going on? I thought that we were done with this client. And literally I felt like like Lance because you've said that to me a couple times with some of these clients. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and But none of my clients have – so so I, I wrote down some notes because my clients, their problem sometimes is a competency problem. They think that they know buildings when they know development. Yeah. Right? And that's where that issue comes from. This one, I don't know about his competency with building, but it's more of an ethical question. It was literally just ethical. It, it, yeah, so it was an ethical question. But the only insight I have on this conversation is that, man, it must be hard if you're a one-man person and you don't have maybe strong people that can talk to you. You know what I mean? Like, would any of our employees be like, Lance, what are you doing? You can't be working with a guy. No, they're not going to say that. Right. So, like, I don't know. that. I would just say that's the benefit of maybe fostering another partner or someone up on your level so that you guys can have this conversation and not have it at, at unequal levels. Yep. Here, so here's what I would say, I guess. Here's my, my conclusion. So give someone a raise. <laughs> there you go. My, <laughs> easy, easier said than done. Yeah. My conclusion would be 
if you if you ever come across a client and they start doing something illegal like that, I think you I think you give them a warning and just say, hey, I'm not comfortable with this. This is I do not align ethically, professionally, any in any way of what you're doing. And I've seen this. Maybe you've just listened to this podcast and it, you've actually never had the experience before. But I still think you say this. You say, I don't. Um, I've had this happen before. I've had this happen before, and it goes down. It goes down a bad road. And I'm yeah. I'm only I'm willing to work with you, but like I'll let this slide one time. But if it if I see any more things happen in this way, I think we're just gonna have to cut ties and not do business together anymore. And I think you. Can I think use... you give them one chance only. I think that's where I screwed up. Like two chances. Well, I think it was more than two chances. I mean, well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, you, more than two. But you could use the rule of three, right? So, <clears throat> one one uh, you fool me once, shame on you, right? So you give them that one chance, then they screw you over again then uh fool me twice fool me twice yep shame Shame on me me. yep right but then you don't allow the third you don't allow the third so that is your one chance but like that that's the way to logically think about it okay shame on you then shame on me we're done yep no more shame yep you shame do you know (laughs) know what that's from no game of thrones i don't watch the game of thrones i'm sorry oh no actually i don't think i think that was annie making fun of game of thrones so one lady's walking through this street and they're all yelling shame shame, <laughs> shame. <laughs> so i'll say you know shame on it she'll go no you shame <laughs> shame on me shame on me. so there you go uh, a little horror story for you but i hope everybody can learn from it okay you want to jump into our guest yes so who's our guest today on uh on the podcast so i went down to denver and i met with jerry bolin uh basically our mentor it, it, it's a longer extended interview lance will either Cut the tape and, and, and chime in if he feels like it, or we'll listen to the whole thing and then we'll get his response. I kind of sprinkled it in while I was there. Uh, next week, I w- we'll, we'll play Ron uh, Felaiti, which is, he, he's kind of famous down here in Denver. I think a lot of people probably know about him too. He was also very interesting. So let's get started with Jerry Boland. Okay, we're here with my mentor, Jerry Boland. Um, little background on the guy. I met him probably seven, seven or eight years ago now. It's That's been a while. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the backstory that I don't even think Jerry knows. Well, how we met is somehow I knew an electrician. I said, and I was unlicensed. And mainly we were doing residential stuff, which is totally fine on license. Even some commercial stuff, te- technically you can do it. But I was new to town and I said, I need an architect on board um, to oversight and do all that. And she mentioned your name. So got a hold Marla on you. Lestalf. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so somehow I got a hold of you, called you up, and I don't know, it's, it's like we've been friends ever since. Uh, never been a beat. But what always struck me was uh, how open and giving you were. So every time I call you, you know, you just answer a question. Um, anytime there's a project that we want you on, you're like, sure, I'll be on. <laughs> what do you charge? I don't know. What do you think about this? Okay, put me down for that. It's, it's very easy. So... <laughs> Part of our philosophy at F9, because of Jerry, that Jerry doesn't know, is to always give. So um, the stuff that we put on Revit Furniture, we have a whole bunch of free training. Uh, when we went to the school, we you know we just we wanted to give. Um, even the stuff that we we sell, we we feel like we open up our firm. People have contacted me because of this podcast. Always free advice. So you know, w- whatever we can do, and that's because of you, Jerry. So so congratulations for, to you, and thanks for everything, and thanks for coming on. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Don't mention my age. All right. He, uh, you're 42, aren't you? You look uh, it. Just over. Yeah. So we're here, and this is a special segment. Uh, Lance couldn't make it, but it's basically your best and worst advice. So 
Jerry, what would you say your best advice that you've either gotten or that you've given? Architecturally speaking or do you have life? Do you have both? I have. I have general life. Let's uh, start there. Can we start there? Yeah. <clears throat> the best thing, best yeah. advice is, uh, and you really reminded me, give. Just continue to give. No strings attached. I think that's huge. I think that's huge too. Um, we even tell some of our, our students who are designing, mainly the they design a brick. You saw I don't know. You came. So at, we teach at CU Boulder. Jerry yep. came and guessed. Did you see many bridges or did you see mainly houses? You must have saw a couple bridges. I saw bridges two years ago. Yeah. But not this year. So after you left, um, you were there for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And I thought they went were pretty good. Oh, yeah. Some were incredible. Yeah. So we were kind of because we didn't sometimes we like to rig it. So we'll put the best ones first. You know, like when when you come or someone else comes. But we didn't rig it this year. <laughs> And then after you left, Jerry, they just got better and better. And we're like, oh, my oh, God. Shoot, I shouldn't have left. <laughs> yeah. And it was amazing. So some of them we tell, um, like one guy a couple of years ago did a bridge for the University of Oregon. And he did their logo in there. It was, it was very cool. And we're like, send this out. Send this to them. Um, and don't have any expectations. And we don't know if anything has ever came from any of these. But a couple of them we say, um, one guy did in Sing- Singapore. He did a bridge because basically their bridge is very low. And it's damming up this area and all the boats have to go around. And Singapore is a huge port. So at midpoint, I said, well, not only do the bridge because you're going to undam it there, you know, the ecosystem will be great and all that stuff. Um, But figure out how many miles they have to go around this bridge and then figure out how many ships need to go around this bridge. So he figured all that out. And then I said, okay. Uh, and at midterm, he presented that. Then I go, hey, gas is, you know, let's just say two bucks a, ga- you know, a gallon. And then we did some quick math. And over five years, um, basically, they'd, they'd save all these ships because it's something like 100 ships a day that have to go around this thing. They'd save $2 billion. I go, why don't you present to Singapore that, you know, there's a, a penny per mile tax for these ships. And but they're going to make this bridge, but then they'll go the shorter route and they'll save X amount of miles, which means X amount of gallons. And they'll actually double their money. You know, like if the math is there the math is, you know, it's there. <laughs> and they don't even have to build it. Just and pay it. They just have pay yeah. pennies for it. Pay pennies for it. Pennies per gallon. So, um, yeah. Okay. That w- <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I think you're right just to give, and I think you've shown that. So, oh, awesome. Yeah. awesome. How about professionally, architecturally? Professionally, I've I have uh, in the last I want to say ten to fifteen years, I've brought on this mantra to myself, and that the advice is pretty simple, maybe hard to do, but pretty simple. Every project needs to have a hallmark symbol. It has to have one special piece and you can apply that and I've tried to apply it to the most lowly projects and to the most grand projects but every project has to have one big memorable hallmark piece to it can that when you're applying when you're thinking about that when you're designing it does that have to be the party that runs throughout the project or could it be an isolated 
something like um, maybe just the front entrance has a symbol that's unique. So my question is, does it have to be continuous through everything or could it just be an, an, a literal symbol? Did you get the what I'm trying to you have? You know, if it if the big thing happens to be right inside the front door, give somebody a hint, but don't give it all away. If it's on the outside, it's probably going to be the first thing you see at 50 miles an hour. Yep. So it could be either. I'd love to sprinkle a job with some iconic thing, but you can't overdo it. So my rule, because we don't always get the biggest budgets with jobs, is find the one thing. And when you find it, it'll probably give you a clue as, you know, can you sprinkle it some more? Yeah. Do you have an example for us? Um, you know, I do. And I did, it's a building I did. It's one of the first buildings I did in Colorado Springs. And it's the... Uh, it was to target aerospace contractors. Okay. You know, when, uh, you know, when the world went into turmoil and all of a sudden we have Homeland Security and these, like, you know, uh, the Air Force bases were ramping up. So I put a metal wing on my building. Nice. And I put it highway side. And I let the let rest of the building kind of be background to it. And it was a really tight budget. Yep. But I put that wing out there, and it's known for that. Yeah. Oh, it's the one with the wing. I ah, like. Yeah. You need to give me the address. I need to drive by there. I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. I guess I should have turned off my phone. <laughs> it's right by the airport down in Colorado Springs. Awesome. Um, and then... You know, there were a couple more buildings on that development. The second one I did, too, which used to be Blair College, and it has a uh, smaller wing. So, But it's called Aerospace Plaza is the name of the development. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah. So that's one example. I like it. I like it. Before we move on to worst advice, do you have any any other that you want to wrap up, give out? I saw you draw, writing notes. That's the only reason I'm asking. <laughs> I was writing down my worst advice. Yeah. Do you want to go into worse? <laughs> yeah, and this this goes for professional and personal life. Okay. Somebody asks you a question, you don't really know the answer, but you don't want to act dumb, so you make up something, don't do that. If you don't know it, just say, I don't know. Yeah. If you're in front of a client, go, I'm going to make a point of finding out what that is. But don't try to buffalo anybody. They'll see right through you. you. You gave that to me two years ago, and now I just use, I'll get back to you. That's all you have to say. Right. Is, is, and then you look down at your, your iPad or whatever, and you think about it. I'll have to get back to you on that. That's it. They, <laughs> how'd, you, how'd you get Annie to marry you then? She got back to me, and I just kept asking. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you lied to her. <laughs> uh, uh, too funny. Um, that is great. That I, I think that's huge too, especially for a lot of the younger people who uh, might feel a little bit intimidated going out in the field or anything like that. You can you can always get back. You can always call someone up. Call Jerry up. You say I'll get back to you in the car. Call Jerry. <laughs> yeah, you can you can always do that. My, and his phone number is his phone number is br five four nine. Awesome, awesome, Jerry. Uh, anything else before we part part ways? 
Well, I have a lot of advice. I'm not going to put it all on the air today, but uh, you know, you get as old as I am, I, and I am uh, I'm turning 66 in July. So I don't mean, look a day over 65. Thank you. Good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you saw me taking notes. I had I had too many notes, so I had uh, too much advice actually. So hit us with one more, Jerry. I, one this more? is normally this is a short segment. It's under three minutes, but we're here down in Denver. I came down to visit you. Okay, I have two more things. Yep. One, one is, uh, one can be related. I'm going to say it's architectural related because that's when I use it. Yep. Uh, when you're looking at a new project and you're looking at all the limitations you have, somewhere in that pile of, uh, of manure is a great opportunity. Just keep looking for it. You're going to find it in all the limitations. My best projects have been the ones that had the most limits to it. And uh, I'm working on one now, assisted living, and the site's too small. Yep. And uh, we knocked it around a little bit. And uh, now we have more site than we need, which is unbelievable. Awesome. So, And then and the last thing is um, always do your best. And you know when you're doing your best. That one's tough because people like to lie to themselves. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you heard it here first from Jerry. Dig till you hit gold. Thanks a lot for being on. Thanks for being a good friend, my my bud. You bet. All right. My pleasure. All right, Lance. We'll uh, look forward to your response. Uh, big thanks to, to our good friend Jerry uh, and mentor. Uh, for being on the podcast, appreciate that, Jerry. I uh, hope I hope you hope you hope you listen to this, and then uh, maybe we can get you in again, and maybe we can do a um, uh, an, a more extended interview because I feel like Jerry, and we've always known that he's this gold mine of knowledge, right? Yep. Whenever whenever we need any kind of advice, even if it's personal stuff, I feel like he's a perfect person to go to. Yeah, he was great to meet. Uh, <clears throat> so. What's hilarious, though, is I knew coming in and listening to that, Jerry wasn't going to have any worse advice because Jerry, I believe, is an eternal optimist, 100%. I know. So when Which we, is fine. <laughs> when we were listening, he said, oh, I have worse advice. And then you asked me, what was his worse advice? And I was like, I think it was that. What, what was the one, this one? Uh, don't make up answers. So, uh, so I'm going so I'm, I'm to give you my reaction. Um, I, what I really, I, this is, and this, I think this is why we, Jerry, Jerry and F and I worked well, so well together is, we have similar business models in that we're small and nimble, but then we also do, we never really get these huge, you know, $400 a square foot house, just unlimited budget, multimillionaire from who knows where, right? Until now. Until, yeah, until somebody listens. Um, so what I, what I loved about what Jerry said, and I thought it was twofold, was every project can have its hallmark and that there's always opportunity. I feel like those two go hand in hand. And we've talked about this before on the podcast is that we've done, we do, we do just spec houses for builders, but even when it comes down to that spec house, I know the only thing that I'm going to really be able to make a hallmark of it is, and I, I have no other word to use than other than a timeless floor plan in the sense that I really don't think they're going to have to knock down any walls in 10 years. I feel as if we've created a space that is timeless in that sense that it's just a solid, well thought out, efficient floor plan. On the most recent... Uh, spec homes I've been doing, I had two ideas. One got knocked down, one stayed. So the one that got knocked down was we were going to do a cupola over the stairs and it was going to be awesome, but it was a little over the top yeah. <laughs> and it got nixed. <laughs> but, uh, so we're going to redo that, that portion. But the other one that did stay is there's this really cool entrance feature 
that it's almost like a tower entrance. And they said, yeah, let's do it. So uh, this was before Jerry, but I think we're trying to implement that one cool thing. Yeah. The other, the other thing about the, about being doing homework work or, you know, one really cool thing on a project is I think it ties doing something like that on a project ties everything back to memory. So if you're a business owner, say, say that you were thinking about making a new, um, uh, office space downtown or something like that, or, or let's say you're a doctor and you have a doctor's office, right? I bet, wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense that you spend at you, maybe the hallmark of your project is the reception space, right? And it probably already is anyway. That's where maybe the most money is spent anyway. But for your, to hire the, to hire an architect who gets that from the beginning, I think would be paramount for you, right? Because like at the end of the day, that's the first impression people have of you. So the memory is going to stick of what that looks like, what it feels like, and might get more clients coming back to you just because of that, right? I've even noticed because I've been looking at apartments, um, they've redone their sales place. Uh, and even ones they're really their sales place sometimes extremely outshines their apartments. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I just want to reiterate that point. Uh, the other thing was the other thing that Jerry mentioned was don't make up any answers. And this was critical for me because I think right away when I first started in internships and we'd be in meetings with clients and they would maybe they're, you know, my former bosses weren't there. I, I would make up an answer. I would pretend that I knew everything, which is a giant mistake in hindsight. But what to make an excuse for myself, I feel like I didn't learn that lesson until I finally knew, I finally convinced myself that I don't know everything and that it's okay and that I witnessed other people, other other people above me saying, oh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. You would You would think, and I think a lot of people do that, where they try to make up an answer right away, no matter what kind of discipline or what kind of thing you're doing, is because maybe you have it in your head that you're supposed to know everything about what you're doing. But in the, in the end, I, I don't think clients have expected. No. I think they're fine with you. I think if you get even more confident when you say, I don't know, I will look into it and I'll get back to you. No problem. Exactly. So, um, the point I'd make besides Jerry just told me that a couple of years ago and I used it ever since, but I think it's also extremely valid because I don't have enough. I don't have time to waste. So if I tell them a lie, either they're going to figure out and it'll look bad on me or else I know that it's a lie. So I'm going to have to go back, research it and then like tell them again and then kind of extra explain, you know, like how I got to that answer and what, you know, I, I don't have time. Like, no, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'll tell you later. <laughs> uh, and the last one is kind of a layup. Uh, always do your best. I think everybody, tr- I think a lot of professionals that are successful try to try to always do the best. I think it's hard because we get lazy and it, sometimes we just want to take a day off. So when that happens to me, what I've been doing lately is I take the day off and I just, I don't try to push through it anymore. And I, I'm just trying to get a better sense of myself and where I'm like, nope, it's time to relax. And honestly, my fiance had to tell me that this week. And she's like, I, you need to just stop thinking we have to get this yard done. We have to do all these things. We could just, yeah. Can we get back to just a regular sense of everything? And ever since then, my back has felt better. I feel like I've been retaining more information studying. So Yeah, that's great advice. And then also, too, I think some people just need a wake-up call. Because I was stuck in, in the National Guard for a couple years where I just coasted because I wasn't doing all my best. And I wish someone would have shook me and said, hey, you're only going to do this once and you have to spend the time here anyways, so you might as well kick some A and do some cool stuff. Um, so if that's you and you need that wake-up call, you know, time isn't coming back, buddy. Uh, so go for it now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So thanks again, Jerry. Uh, look forward, Looking forward to next week when we have Ron on, um, one of his working partners that he works with. 
Uh, also, you know, semi-famous architect like Alex mentioned. So last thing is Alex has some interesting development talk for us in regards to uh, Alex being possibly a real estate agent. Yeah. And, so and not, not licensed or anything like that, but sort of a buy owner type of situation. Yeah. So the market's hot right now. So we might, we might list our development um, by owner. Uh, but that's still, I mean, we haven't even built the thing. So that's a long ways away. So right now I'm selling my house. And this is why it ties into the development talk. And then I'm in an apartment right now. And then I'm going to take my time and find a new house. But let's set, this, let's, let's set this up a little bit better, okay? Yeah. So traditionally, right, when people go to sell their house, sell their homes, they, they think, A, you absolutely legally have to have an, an agent, right? A lot of people think that, but yep. that's but that's false as we've come to find out. Yep. You th- so if you if you already know that that's false, you don't need an agent. But then you think, oh, I can't find the forms, or like how I have to go to a lawyer, or or how would I even price the thing out? You know, yep. there's there's sort of pros and cons, right? If you hire a professional who's doing this day in and day out, they'll be able to, you know, if they do that, they do a good job, they'll be able to say, here's what you should price your house at. Not too high, not too low. Here's the typical process. They're not, you're not going to have to deal with the client. Right. But then at the end of the day, well, you don't make as much money. Yeah. Because they take that. Exactly. So so everything's a double-edged sword here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I thought, Hey, I can try this out. And then I, I, I literally just Googled Colorado real estate forms. And in Colorado, it might be different from your state, but in Colorado, you have to use approved forms by the state and then instead of just you know listing what are approved they just made up the forms and they put them online so probably this week i'm going to read through those forms so there's not only the contract in detail so you know what the heck you're doing i mean it's sort of going to be like a little educational journey for 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 al yep so i'm going to read through those forms and then read through so not only is there just your contract form there's disclosure form there's a whole bunch some of them won't be permanent pertinent some will be so i'm just going to go through the whole list read through them all, see, see what I, what I can do. Right. Then I asked two real estate agents. Well, kind of asked two. one I asked and I asked up in Minnesota because I didn't want a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. And they basically said, yeah, that's fine. You know, you can do it. Um, really, really just like, really just reassured me. Mm-hmm. And then your wife called me, mm-hmm. she was a real estate agent. And she said, and her, her only key thing was she goes, well, the market's hot right now. And I basically, if it wasn't hot, it might be a little bit more scary, right? So my house is going to sell. It's one of the lower price houses. People want to eat it up in, in that area. It will literally be, and this isn't a dig on Al. It, it's actually a pro because, you know, everybody's complaining about real estate prices being too high. Is Alex's price? Alex's house will be the lowest priced house available. on the market, but that means it will go the fastest. I also think my house is overpriced. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's a win-win-win. And then here's the other thing too: is that I can try, and let's say no one shows up, no one, whatever. And, I, and now I'll I'm give gonna you show some. up. Lance will show up. <laughs> um, that doesn't mean that I can't then hire a real estate agent. Yeah. And then try again. Yeah. If you don't get the price that you want and all that other stuff. So the other thing is that um, a lot of people find your house online. So. Before you probably need a real estate agent um, to send you houses to know where they are. You don't have access to MLS. Yeah, yeah. Me- so, so let's talk about MLS for one second. Just, yep. to, just so for anybody listening who has a has or hasn't bought a house, right? We've all heard about this MLS. It's called Multiple, Multiple. Listing Services. Okay. Yeah. And honestly, up until I think last week, Alex and I were under the assumption, at least I was, that the only way you get access to the MLS. It's sort of this, we thought it was this protectionist system is yep. you have to hire a realtor. 
Yeah, but that's not the case apparently. Well, you kind of so you can go on online. There's online services. They probably are realtors that will put it up for a fee. Okay, two hundred bucks, five hundred bucks, all that stuff. And it's so funny. They call it the MLS. <laughs> the MLS. Yeah. Um, but was also if if we couldn't get on the MLS, I don't even know if that would deter me too. Because when because I I get you know Maryland sends me houses from MLS all that I still do all my Zillow search. There's all these other websites like that's where I look. They, they're better formatted. They have better pictures. They give you all the information that you need. Um, I I almost guarantee a lot of people are looking through that. So it, it it's almost getting rid of this this barrier. There's no way if you want to that because you can. Here's the other key too. You can post on Zillow. So if you couldn't post on Zillow and you couldn't get on MLS, then it's like, man, you need a real Well, yeah, because on Zillow, you can do for sale by owner. They have a whole section that's just for that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think Redfin does too. Yep. Okay. So um, you got to be able to get your house in front of people. Um, and then for me, it's safer because it, it, it's a hot market to sell. Um, so I'm going to try it out, give you guys any feedback that I have, and let you know how, how the process went. Yeah. So uh, to, to wrap it all up, what, what, as far as the development talk goes this week, what, what's interesting to us about that is, is you know, we've, we've harked on this over and over again. The idea behind this development project is the more hats you wear, the more money you make. So at the end of the day, if, if, if it ends up being this not, not this crazy process that we, that we are still, you know, we're very, like Alex is just putting his toes in the water just a yep. little bit and testing it out, right? And if it ends up that the water's too cold or too hot, well, then obviously, you know, we're going to default back and go to go to a realtor and make it happen that way. Just because, again, fish out of water. But if it, if it is another possible hat we can wear, well, then, once again, we're being the architect, we're being the developer, we're being the contractor, and possibly being the realtor. You get yep. paid four times in that way. Yep. And then here's the, another argument I could see about not doing it. And we might find out not to do it. And exactly. That's, I'm totally fine with that. It's like, oh, you could have sold your, your house for $5,000 more if you would have had a real estate agent. Yeah, but... Your fee alone was fourteen thousand, so <laughs> I still would have saved ten thousand. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, so uh, we'll see you next episode. Have a good one. Bye.